If this life is driving you to drink, you sitting around wondering just what to think. Well, I got some consolation. I'll give it to you if I might. You know I don't worry about a thing, 'cause I know nothing's gonna be alright. Hello, I'm Ellie Mayo Hagen, and I am Owen Jones, and this is Agitpod. It's our cheeky little podcast, looking at you know all things political. Bit of an issue because we we want to be eclectic in what we talk about. You know, kind of a ray of sunshine in this dark, murky world. But there's only one thing going on at the moment, isn't there? Yep, only one story in the news. And that is Theresa May's shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know Theresa May's shoes actually inspired me to get involved in politics? Really? Yeah. Your shoes inspired me to get in politics. Your face inspired me to get into politics. It's a good face. It's, It's a, a good face. face. It's a shame you people can't see it. It's a good face. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, what we're going to do, because we're going to have guests and stuff, but the general election has kind of befuddled things. I hate people yeah. saying befuddled. I've become that person. Basically, of all of the negative consequences of the general election, <laughs> the schedule of our podcast getting slightly disorganised is, is the worst. So I, if there's only one reason why you don't vote Tory, make it that. I wish Tory's amazing advisors had thought about that before they'd embarked on this selfish. reckless, selfish quest. Selfish. It's always you know, selfish. They were just thinking, how can we destabilise this new podcast which <laughs> Ellie Mayer Hagen and Owen Jones has created? Anyway, there we have it. We're going to talk about the general election. I think next time we are going to get a guest in, it's just, you know, we need a bit more strength and stability in our podcast planning. Yeah, this is a coalition of chaos <laughs> podcasts. High five. Yes. <laughs> right, so, um, should we kick things off? General election. What is going on? Just give a general gist, Ali. This general election is going really well, and it's everything I could have hoped for. I'm so glad it's happening. Um, no, what's been happening this week? Well, the Labour Labour's manifesto was leaked. Uh, Theresa May went on a one show. And talked about shoes. Talked about her shoes. Um, and you have been campaigning. I have. I'll come on to that. I want to talk about the polling. Right, so... The polling is just objectively for, if, if you're like us, and quite fancy, no, having a Tory landslide, it isn't good because the Tories are in mid to late 40s. On the sort of vote share, if they get it, which they haven't really got since the 1950s, Labour, now this is what's interesting with Labour because as bad as it, and it is bad. <laughs> it's <laughs> pretty bad. Um, but people kind of expected Labour's polling to go, Sad trombone. Um, wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. And, uh, you know, he I head towards the early 20s. Counterintuitively, uh, I suppose, it's actually gone up. So now lots of polls show Labour in the early 30s higher than they got in the last general election. Now, I'm going to see what you think about this, Ellie, in terms of what this actually means. Now, if I'm going to go into the old negative column, let's get the bunnies out of the way. Um, so don't all start rocking the feet of position, dribbling like I've spent most of the last two years though. No. Um, is, and that is just separate to politics, to be honest. I mean, it's really just other issues. But um, even if, on the current polling, if Labour got more than Ed Miliband got, we would still lose dozens of seats because UKIP has collapsed as a political force. Now, a lot of you are probably thinking, hooray! The problem is the Tories have basically become UKIP and the UKIP vote has gone and marched off to the Tories. So lots of seats where UKIP have more votes uh, than, you know, they're bigger than the difference between Labour and the Tories... So there's that. And then uh, there's the other issue of where are the votes piling up? Uh, if they end up piling up in seats, Labour already have... Like, like, like Hackney North or something like that, you know? Or yeah. Or like Islington. 
uh, Jeremy's Corbyn seat. If yeah. that like doubles, it's like good for you, Jeremy, but it doesn't change the dynamics. Because if you, I have been knocking on those doors, and I'll be honest with you, on the doorstep, some people have like aren't that happy uh, with things, and it's difficult to reconcile the polling and that. So that's the that's the kind of the, the bad. St the other bad thing is local elections. If you extrapolated that to kind of national polling, Labour got twenty seven percent. That's what they would have got in a general election. And normally, a local election before general election. That's the ceiling of what Labour can get. Labour always get less than that. But on the plus side... Also, <laughs> those shoes don't really suit you. I've had a bad day. <laughs> it's raining. These are all the other things we're going to talk about. I did today. just get ready. I've just been campaigning in Bermondsey today and I did get absolutely drenched. But on the other side, I do think... Because normally you'd, you would have expected the polling to go down. But I think the policies, which we'll talk about... Right, people, it has cut through to a degree with people. Most people, I think we should say, are not sympathetic losers like me and you, Ellie. They've got better things to do with their lives. Speak for yourself, mate. Just saying. They'll occasionally dip into politics like a couple of minutes a week and just get the general gist. But And do you know what? Ordinary people are very sensible. I think that is a good way to live your life. Can we do To that? be honest, I don't know. I have no idea. But um, I think some of the, ma the leak of the manifesto, everyone's like, chaos and professional. But the policies on getting the rich to pay a bit more money, invest in public services, public ownership and things like the railways. The polling shows people like that. And that's kind of, you know, the drip, drip, drip has, has I think, for some people cut through, made people think there is a difference here. And I think that's part of the issue. The, the question now is, is the polling wrong? Because it, when polling is wrong, normally it's always bad for Labour uh, in practice. It overstates Labour's support. But has the polling companies, have they corrected it? So maybe there isn't that big error. But otherwise, is it all downhill from here? Is this just a big, is it a dead cat bounce? What do you think, Ellie? Polling. I've done my little polling vomit. I've vomited all over the microphone, figuratively. I must say it is disappointing that you vomited all over the microphone because <laughs> your, um, your flat's looking very spick and span today. So it's a shame that, you, that you've ruined it with that. But with anyway, the, and the yet, yet more bad news there. I know, it's weird, isn't it? Because, you know, three years ago, if you said to me, what, what do you want to happen? I would have said, well, I want David Cameron to resign. I want UKIP to collapse. And I want there to be a woman prime minister. And I got, I got what I wanted. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was like, stop making wishes. Yeah, it's like that bit in the, in the <laughs> Matrix where that character dies and the woman goes, not like this. That's what I feel like now. Not like this. Anyway, um, yeah, I was on uh, Sky Papers with um, Dan Hodges last night. Um, we, where we were watched by precisely two people yeah. because it was the Eurovision. Your BBF. Yeah, me. Dan Hodges. Who's Dan Hodges? Uh, he is a Mail and Sunday columnist who basically disagrees with me about everything and, and once every couple of weeks we go on Sky Papers together and argue for half an hour and then quite go like home. I actually am very fond of him. We've we've developed an unlikely friendship. You know, it's like sort of... You know, like when dogs and cats make friends and everybody puts them on Instagram. It's it's kind of like a, a horrible political version of that. Anyway, but yeah, we were sort of talking about um, this issue and he was saying, well, you know, I've spoken to all of these councillors, I've spoken to all of these... Um, canvases and they all say that like the, the feedback they're getting when they door knock is like really bad for Labour so I don't understand how uh, Labour could be polling better now than they were under Ed Miliband when all the feedback on the doorstep was bad and I didn't say it at the time because you know like we had such a short amount of time and we had to concentrate on arguing but it did make me think you know I canvassed a lot for Ed Miliband and actually people weren't very enthusiastic about him so it's not as though no. like it's not as though we've gone from this position of people being like literally I can't wait to get out of bed and vote for this guy 
to like, now I hate this guy. Actually, people were very lukewarm and kind of disappointed with Ed Miliband, in my experience. To me, it isn't that unsurprising that Corbyn might get a similar vote share to Miliband, because actually, when I think back about it, the reaction on the doorstep in both occasions has been pretty similar, which is, oh, I'm not really into it, but I guess I'll vote Labour. Or some it's not that film. He's just not that into you. Yeah. Is that what it is? <laughs> the electorate is just yeah. not that into you. And then, um, yeah, so I think, like, people are sort of forgetting that, that actually, like, the electorate was very, like, lukewarm about Ed as well. So, True. I mean... But I'm not, I'm not like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, oh, don't be ridiculous, Owen, everything's going great. Obviously, like, even if, even if Jeremy did get the same vote share as Ed, Labour would still be in hot water. So I'm not saying that. But I just, yeah, I, you know, and, and obviously, like, I've spent my last couple of years being really good at political predictions by ignoring polls. So I don't think I should stop, change tack now. But got you mean. Gut instinct. Yeah, gut instinct is, I think gut instinct and basically trying to imagine that you weren't interested in po in politics and looking at, you know, the news that way and thinking, well, if I didn't care about politics and if I wasn't already left wing, what would I think? I think that's a much better way of judging. Do you know the difference is though? I think last time there was a genuine kind of like, well, this guy in Miliband, he's got a pretty good chance of becoming prime minister. He could win this. And and actually, I think it was seen as more likely than not amongst people. Mm. And and so what that meant was people really focused and went, do I want this guy who can't even eat a bacon sarni? And he got obviously relentlessly demonised. And there was a sense of he's, you know, he's portrayed as weak. And the SNP, the only way Labour could make form a government with the SNP backing them. So all that's like, ah, the Tartans are going to, you know, they're going to destroy the country and Labour will be dependent on them. This time round, if we're just going to be really honest, virtually no one thinks Labour is, I don't want to just like make everyone go on a big downer, but people don't think they're going to win. So a lot of people go, well, I'll vote for them. I'm not going to win anyway. Need to keep a check on, you know, if the Tories win this big landslide. So the attacks on the coalition of chaos aren't really <laughs> cutting through in the same way. But I do think, though, and this is what I find frustrating because, and I think some of this will have to wait until after the election, but the policies are just really, really popular. Oh, my God, I love his, I love the manifesto. I love it. Like, free Wi-Fi on trains. Yes, please. Like, it's just... Literally, it's so good. It's like the For you, best. that is a clincher. Can we just... I know, everyone okay. is clear. Go on. Your big thing is, if Labour just go on, what do you think should happen? If Labour just go on about free Wi-Fi for trains, landslide. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying that they should just go to the doorstep and knock on the door and be like, free Wi-Fi for trains, and then just like, see you later. Yeah. Honestly. Do, do a mic drop yeah. every time, free Wi-Fi for trains. <laughs> mic drop. Yeah. Honestly, it's because I travel, like when I go home to my mum and dad, it's like three and a half hours on the train. I'm not, I'm not going to go on a run. I'm not going to go, all I'm just saying is the Wi-Fi is really patchy and you have to pay like mm. five pounds for it. So anyway, you know, there are more important things. And I think these are the, the great injustices the that people have really neglected. I have to sit there often using my phone as some sort of weird portable modem. And then, you, you know, you're trying to, you know, watch a, I don't know, some sort of cat video on YouTube and, and it stops midway through. It's terrible. That's a euphemism, by the way, cat video, just so you know. What he means is old He means old Neil Kinnock speeches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really get off on those. Um, yeah, I mean, I think though, but as well as free Wi-Fi for trains, which as we've discussed will, I think, tip the balance of this particular election. I think what people generally think in this country, regardless of affiliation, is look, those at the top of society are doing pretty well. Everything is, you know, there's this sense of society is rigged in their favour. We've gone through the longest squeeze in wages for literally since the Napoleonic War. 
And I think there's that sense of, I am fed up. The worry that exists is, we know that people on the Labour leadership aren't uh, sold, to say the least. But there's that general sense of, I agree with all of these things, but I don't have faith or confidence that they these people can deliver it. And, and that's a general, and I, see what you think about this. I find this really interesting because, you know, people like us, because we're like, rah, take on the elite, the establishment. We've got this general sense of, you know, when people like very anti the political elite, that we tap into it. But in a weird way, it, it kind of undermines us. Because what happens is people think that, you know, they have no faith in politicians to deliver anything. So more, the more radical, the more, in a sense, people were in tune with what the most radical things people want, in a weird way, often they distrust us. They go, well, you'll, you know, I don't have faith in politics as a vehicle to deliver it. Yeah, I think, like, you know, we say a lot, well, the system's rigged, there's, like, one class of people who are living a totally different life to the rest of us. And I think that people see that and they, and they, they are angry about it. But I think another thing that it does is it convinces people that, like, there's like all these shadowy powers that they can't connect with and mm. that they can't influence and like the system is rigged in a way that they can't change. I think the, actually for me, the job of the left, you know, after this election, right now it's winning the election or not losing badly. <laughs> but after this election, I think the job of the left is to convince people that things can change and that ordinary people can affect politics. I think one thing from interest that's interesting for me is that the the last few really like insurgent campaigns of the last four or five years have all been based around the idea that ordinary people can change things. Mm -hmm. So like the Bernie Sanders campaign, you know, the speech that he gave in the New York primary was a political revolution happens when millions of people mm -hmm. come together. Donald Trump's inauguration, we were there, we heard him give the speech mm -hmm. and he, you know, said, I couldn't, you put me here, I couldn't have done this without you. Mm -hmm. Even Corbyn, with the Labour selector mm. in 2015, said there's a political moment and we happen to be in the middle of it. Mm. The SNP with radical independence and like the general Scottish independence campaign, it was mm. an idea that ordinary people made it happen. Agency. Yeah, that finally we are being given something to change. Mm. And you know, there's a Brexit as well. Take back control. Mm. You have agency. You yeah, have power yeah. in this. And I think... That lots of campaigns have tapped into that in in like with single issues, and the right has done unfortunately ridiculously really well at taking advantage of that. Because that's, I think what governments have done is they've abandoned obviously huge amounts of power to private interest, the market. So the sphere of what government can do seems to have been really minimised. Yeah, you know the lead, absolutely, and and it's the same with the form of globalisation we've got because it's this idea. Well, look. Governments don't really have the power they used to have. So you've got that sense of, like, you know, diminished power, and, and that feeds into the general cynicism that other forces have more power and what the government can do is, is really limited. Yeah, the idea that the government isn't really in control. Yeah. Like, I remember last Labour conference I went to, I decided to go to the Progress Fringe. So the Progress, progress for those of you who don't know, is um, it's like the Blairite sort of caucus, I guess, within yeah. the Labour Party. Um, and I went there sort of thinking, oh, I'm interested to see what these people are going to do to topple Jeremy Corbyn, because I thought, you know, I'd sort of bought into this argument that they make that they're really professional and they're really good strategists. And so I thought, well, they're going to have some really grand plan that like Jeremy Corbyn should be worried about. So I'm kind of curious to know what it is. So I went along and what they basically said was, um, first of all, they talked about how great 997 was. And then they were just you like, you love all that, don't you? I know. They was, and what I loved about it as well was they were like, I'm a modernizer, and that's why I love 1997. <laughs> <laughs> but then it was like, but then they were sort of like, oh, yeah, well, 
basically we know that um, people are finding life tough at the moment, but uh, there's nothing you can do about globalization. So we'll just offer them more apprenticeships. And like, mm. and to me that really encapsulated yeah. like why that particular form of politics isn't doing very well. Because it robs any, it's, it's not just robbing the government of agency, it robs people of agency. It's this sense of basically, this is like the weather, all of these forces. You can complain about it raining, but there's nothing you can do about it. So the more, and that's what's hurt us often, the more the government has surrendered power to the market, it seems like the least, you know, the, the chance of proper change or sweeping change, radical change, whatever you want to call it, it seems to be less, doesn't it? Because yeah. there seems to be fewer levers because they say the levers have all gone. And I also think like another thing I think um, is, is a big factor in this whole issue is that um, the type of person who becomes a politician has changed massively now mm. over the last like 30, 40 years. You know, like it used to be that a lot of Labour politicians were manual labourers, mm -hmm. like Keir Hardy, who your cat is named after. He was, what was he again? You know, don't you? He was, a, he, he, was the, well, he was the first Labour leader. He was Scottish and he turned up to the House of Parliament, 1895, first socialist, and he was stopped by a police officer. He said, are you here to work on the roof? And he said, no. I'm here to work on the floor. And so began a new generation of working class Labour MPs. Do you know how I knew that line? is? because Owen tells that story all the bloody time. Every single day. Literally. Love it. Yeah, so you've got the professionalisation of politics. I think that definitely that sense of these people don't look like me, they don't speak like me, they don't understand the way, you know, the problems I have every day. I think that's part of it. And I think also... That, that I think, like, um, adds to this sense of, like, it's not only that politicians can't hold, like, banks or whatever to mm. account, it's that actually they are the same people. Yeah, the revolving door, you mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what do we mean by that? So you have someone like, you know, like Liam Byrne is a good example and lots of people in the Tory party who like came from, you know, the financial sector and then they go into politics. So they started off as working for the banks and then they go into the like body that's supposed to keep the banks in check. So I think like this adds to... But you get also like former secretaries of state for health, they're supposed to look after NHS, then go off and work for private health companies who want to privatise it. And then you go up defence secretaries who end up working for private defence firms who they granted contracts to. So there's that revolving door, you mean? Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the, the the thing is the left has been really, really good over the last five years at pointing all of that out, but it's been really bad at saying what we should do about it. Because the danger then is what you do is you fuel a sense of fatalism and cynicism, i.e. And resentment. You, exactly. You go, well, yeah, they're all rubbish, so why would I get involved in that? If you make, If we just have all the it's all bollocks and shit and these people are terrible, then all of politics as a general, not just the people in charge at that given time, but all of politics seems to be written off. But I found knocking today, it was in Bermondsey. Now, Bermondsey was a Lib Dem, uh, Bermondsey in Southwark was uh, in London. And Simon Hughes won in 1983 by waging, well, it's good too, it's just a homophobic campaign by the then SDP Liberal Alliance. Um, because Peter Tatchell, who was gay, was the Labour candidate, and uh, they went around saying Simon Hughes was the straight choice. Ironic, because they came out as bisexual. Always, <laughs> always the way. Yeah, but the Lib Dems lost in 2015. Simon Hughes abstained on tuition fees, which was, you know, that flagship Lib Dem policy was abolish it. The bedroom tax, which made disproportionately disabled people pay up money they didn't have unless they downsized to smaller properties that don't even exist. He supported all of that. Um, but they lost in 2015. But what I found today knocking on doors was a lot of people, because of the Lib Dems breaking all their promises, tuition fees, um, not increasing VAT, all that kind of stuff. Because of that, and it is so annoying, obviously, because then they just think, well, politicians just say things they'll never stick to. So that Lib Dem thing's not, it's not helped. Yeah. Lib Dems never help, do they? No, they don't actually, Ellie, now you mention it. Yeah. They Lib always... Dems, what are they good for? <laughs> <laughs> no, how's it go? Wait a minute. Lib Dems. Huh. 
What are they good for? Absolutely nothing. No, you've got to say whore again, don't you? I don't know. This is going really well as a bit. Please, keep this in the podcast. <laughs> Please. I think that was quite, quite endearing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've got that. So, I mean, the other issue, I mean, we can talk, obviously, look, a lot of people are going, ah, oh, but you're just avoiding the elephant in the room with Jeremy. It's like, Jesus, like, we're in a... What, as in, as in a, his calibre as a leader? Well, we're in a contest. And I do think, actually, where he does thrive is... He bloody loves campaigning, doesn't he? He loves it. Can't get enough of it. You could even say that he's de- devoted his 28-year career to campaigning. <laughs> I mean, you could even go that far. What I would say to that is, though, right, listen to all of you, like, Jeremy haters that are listening to this. We know. We know what Jeremy is like as a leader. We don't need to be told. But right now... Who are we arguing with? No one's speaking to us. We're in a room. I'm arguing with the cat. Me and Keir had like... Keir is just staring going, what are you doing with this Jeremy guy? He's going, I've heard of Cooper. <laughs> I think he would have liked to. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm saying it to our listeners who may be listening to this and thinking like... We're, yeah, we're, we're, and we've got the scars on our back over this. We're in a general election campaign. The choice is between Labour and the Tories. Yeah, but... get behind Labour or be complicit in a Tory win. That's literally the only choice that you have. And people need to stop being so self-pitying and like... Pre- no, I'm sorry. And I really want to say this... People need to stop being so self-pitying and like self-indulgent about the fact that, you know, oh, I'm not really like, I don't really like this guy. Oh, he like rides a bike run, makes jam. It's weird. It's like, sorry, but we're looking at like total Tory hegemony. We're looking at hard Brexit. We're looking at the next kind of 10 years of politics here. Just suck it up and vote Labour if you don't like the Tories. That's literally all it is like in the next four weeks. After the next four weeks, we can have a really difficult conversation. Although about... it's probably going to win the electorate over that. No, I'm not talking, but I'm not talking to the electorate. No. I'm talking to the people who work in politics like we are yeah. and are using this particular time to criticise Jeremy Corbyn. To on Twitter, you mean? Yeah, or, to write, pants, or to write columns in national newspapers that do influence public well, opinion. Well, that's what I find it odd, because I do genuinely think, can I get a little violin out? Yes. Yes, you can. So, at the moment, you know, I go on TV and radio making the case for Labour, and I do find it frustrating, because whatever problems I've had... I'm putting them to one side because there's a general election on. And I do find it a little disturbing that in a democracy, technically, no, is a democracy, flawed as it is, uh, like ours, where for the main opposition party, I'm one of the only people on television, going on television or radio or writing a weekly column who's unapologetically saying vote Labour. And it's, I do think from just a general democratic perspective, that is, you know, and I just think with all the columnists who are kind of, they say they're left of centre, it's like, do you know what? The bash Labour thing, it, I mean, it's covered, isn't it? Yeah, They've it's like, it's covered. all right. It's all right. Don't worry, you're being represented. 95% of the press is already there. Why don't you just come on over to our side just for the next four weeks? Or focus on the government. Focus on the Tories. Because we'll do all, after the general election, then there'll be the fallout. Then we can all have that debate and discussion. But I do think, you know what? When... when with the actual policies, millions of people support them. The press, on the other hand, on the actual policies, don't like them. Forget whoever would be arguing those policies, they wouldn't like them. And they regard them as a threat to what is, I think, a chronically unjust order in which we live. Um, but nonetheless, it's just a case of, you know, I think in a democracy, there should be people in the press who are making the case for the main opposition party. Yeah, more than just like a couple of people. Like I go on TV more than usual at the moment as well and I actually like one thing I've noticed is going on TV and being in the media generally at the moment making the case of Labour actually feels like an exercise in humiliation sometimes because you're made to feel 
like your nuts you're made to feel as though you're out of touch with reality and what i would say as well like like here if you could pass the tiny violin over to me for here a moment go. thank you we have a we have an actual tiny violin here with us for exactly this occasion <laughs> i um, take it i always keep it in my wallet <laughs> you never know you never know when self-pity is going to strike um <laughs> Is self-pity striking you at inappropriate moments? <laughs> Use this tiny violin called <laughs> Owen Jones on 0800. Anyway, what I've found at the moment as well, like it's actually eased off at the moment, but in the last couple of weeks, but actually in the immediate weeks after the general election was called, I was like, had a lot of like, what I found often quite sexist criticism mm. from established media commentators, often people that I'd never had insulted or had any kind of engagement with some of them I didn't even know who they were until I found out that they'd written insulting articles about mm -hmm. me or made disparaging jokes about me and the theme of the criticism was never engaging with the politics that I hold the ideas that I have the arguments that I was making it was always along the lines that I was a silly little girl who just needs to quieten down mm -hmm. and that really I really felt and noticed a massive upsurge in that in the immediate weeks after the election was called. And um, I didn't actually dare speak about it until another journalist, another couple of journalists pointed it out to me and asked if I was okay. And then I suddenly realized, oh, this is happening and it is something that I should talk about. And then since then it's sort of eased off a bit. But the reason that I'm mentioning this here is because I think um, it is true to say that if you openly support Labour in this election as a commentator in public, mm -hmm. you're made to feel um, like, you're an embarrassment. You're mm. made to feel as though you're a kind of loon who's been brought on for everybody to laugh at. And actually, even in this moment where it looks like the Tories are going to do very, very well in this election, there is still a sizable constituency of left-wing people in this country. And actually, they deserve representation. Yeah. And the left has been right about a lot of key issues over the last 10 years, like the financial crisis, like the Iraq war and so on, um, like the housing crisis. I mean, I could go on. And actually it does deserve to have representation in mm. public life in a way that is respectful and that's just not happening in this election no i mean it is going to be you know i don't know where to begin with it really i mean i, I suppose you know the worry i have is the policies are great but people in an election don't go oh i like that policy and that policy i vote for them it's a general gut feeling and it's difficult to turn around obviously the way labor's been you know it's seen in terms of it's obviously unfairly presented mistakes made which i'm not going to go into um, but I think, as a general point, this is an absurdly unjust society where the wealth of the richest 1,000 people more than doubles during an economic crisis of a scale we've not had for generations, whilst wages fall for the longest period in generations. Where... More money goes to landlords and to workers. Exactly. Over £9 billion goes to, in, in housing benefit goes to private landlords. So we spend money on benefits for landlords rather than bricks for people. Building the, And if we build housing, I mean, that's the point. I think what Labour needs to talk about is partly if you build housing, you create jobs, skilled jobs, you get the economy going, you bring down the housing benefit bill. But it's about this country is held back. It's actually got so much potential and it's held back by vested interests um, who obviously you know, this society is rigged in favour of. And what Labour are trying to do is say, we're going to unleash the potential of, and now ends a party political broadcast. <laughs> no, we're unle unleash the potential of the people of this country and, and the country 
um, as a whole because by rebalancing power a little bit exactly yeah because it doesn't make sense when you have a you know you spend billions subsidizing landlords rather than spending billions building housing which would then if you think about bad housing one in four kids in london grew up in an overcrowded home damages their health their education their well-being but if you damage their potential what are you doing you're damaging the potential of the country yeah. sucks basically it's a load of bollocks <laughs> is what i'm trying to say maybe that should that should be our campaign slogan General election 2017, it's a load of bollocks. It is a load of hashtag bollocks. I think actually a lot of people would vote for us if that was our... Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are like, I like them. They speak my kind of language. Let's start the billboard campaign. Yeah. Um, how are the Tories doing? Let's talk about that. Well, I, I did have an enjoyable moment, um, which is pretty rare at the moment. And basically, I just grab lifeboats where I can, little life rafts in this icy cold sea of badness. You can tell I'm a writer. He's a professional writer, gang. Um, Emily Thornbury, I thought, did well on The Mar Show. Because she was great. I was very impressed. Michael Fallon, who is a uh, who is the Tory, Tory minister for what are called dead cats. That is... If you're all now listening and suddenly you put a dead cat on your table... Close your ears, Keir. Oh, wish God. Keir to leave the room. I feel really sad. I don't care being dead. Genuinely, I love my cat more than almost anything on earth. More than I love Wi-Fi on trains. And she really loves Wi-Fi on trains. So, <laughs> um, so the idea of if anything happening to my beloved furry monstrosity just makes me feel very sad. So a dead cat in politics is where you... you, you Basically, uh, do something so provocative and outrageous that whatever people were talking about before, if it, it's not favourable to your party, everyone forgets about it. Um, and, and Michael Fallon, he always throws his dead cats in, in 2015, he said, when Labour had this idea of ending non-dom uh, tax status, that's people who are foreign who don't pay money in this country with the rich people. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then they said, uh, he wrote an article saying, Ed Miliband would stab this country in the back like he stabbed his brother in the back. And everyone went, <gasps> including me. Everyone went, <gasps> and then everyone forgot about the non-doms. So he tried doing that today on Mark. And then Emily Thornbury said, do you remember what you were doing? She's like, you're going to dead cat me. I will dead cat <laughs> yeah, you so hard. I will dead cat you <laughs> until into the middle of next week. So she got out five dead cats and threw them at him. <laughs> it uh, was chaos. And one, yeah, exactly. One was still alive and started ripping out his face. <laughs> so here's a bit. Yeah, it was a really eventful episode of Mark. <laughs> I'm really surprised. I'm really surprised that the BBC allowed dead cats in and then also a live one to attack a serving cabinet minister. Anyway, so... Um, Does he do anything for ratings though, hasn't he? Yeah, and uh, she said, where were you on this date? And he was like, oh, I don't know, what, what date? And then she said, you were celebrating the re-election of the Syrian dictator, Assad. This was 2007. Uh, and he went... <laughs> Uh, and he had a right little kerfuffle and his head started rotating and steam started coming out of his yeah, ears. Yeah, and then he started projectiling, vomiting green and, yeah. <laughs> it's really, it was quite extraordinary. Yeah, it was. Episode, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know why Mara is more popular, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoyed that because the reason I enjoy that is because, uh, right, the Tories throw all this crap about, about all this, but they are up to their neck in complicity with extremists. Not just the likes of, say, Assad. Celebrate. He wasn't there just like... I mean, he celebrated his rigged election victory. Um, and then the other thing, I mean, if you take Saudi Arabia, dictatorship... Which yeah, doesn't they all just... ran off to his funeral, didn't he, Prince Saud, when he died? Yeah, I mean, he's a dictator. Where you get a country where they chop the heads off people for being gay, for being dissidents, treat women in the most abominable way possible, have no democracy, no political parties, no elections, no unions... And um, they export international terrorism. They're dropping bombs, British bombs, on Yemen at the moment. And, and they're a threat. To, like, they are a threat, the Saudi regime and those they protect, to the security of people listening to this. So 
that link between the, and the Tories and extremism is something which needs picking up on. So I like. Yeah, but that. even like even you know historically, like if you look at General Pinochet and his um, his behaviour in Chile, like under Margaret Thatcher, you know he he was resp- oversaw the execution of a stadium full of people. Mm. And My parents took in Chilean refugees. Yeah, so. I've got a friend who uh, who's their Chilean refugees, and they were tortured by the Pinochet mm-hmm. regime. And um and you know Thatcher loved Pinochet and uh, and there was frequent um friends of Pinochet mm-hmm. style meetings mm-hmm. in cabinet that even serving Tory ministers now went to, you know this was a brutal dictator. Mm-hmm. So we need to talk about that some more because we don't talk about it enough. Um, what else has happened with the Tories? Well, we've got um yeah Theresa May said this morning that she was a uh, Ron Seal PM. Which I presume is a reference to, I don't even know, one seals like a wood stainer, doesn't it? Like stains wood. Yeah. Well, then, I mean, good advertising campaign. Yeah. I remember that. So she stains wood. Is that what she's saying? <laughs> yeah, As a yeah, prime yeah, minister, yeah. she'd be really, she'd come around to your house and if your wood needs a good staining, she'd, she'll stain it. So vote for Theresa May. She'll yeah. stain your wood. Lots of people would be like, what? I need my wood staining. <laughs> <laughs> she's promised. Yeah. Prime minister's promised it. A lot of people think, doesn't she have other things she should be doing? They're like, no. <laughs> To be fair, though, if she did promise to stain wood, it would actually be like, like one of the few policies that she'd actually announced. It'd be like, yeah. finally, she's announced a policy. She's going to stain some wood. Yeah, good. Great. Well, good. now we know where we are with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing, because they are, the whole campaign is basically, uh, I mean, I'm not going to repeat their messages, because actually, when I admire the Tories, oh, <laughs> I didn't expect that. No, where... I am scandalised. Yeah, I mean, you joke how many people think I'm a Tory. Um... Yeah, I mean, what they're good at is message discipline. They stick to a message, they repeat it over and over again. Our ears stop bleeding, we start ripping her hair out, running around the street going, make it stop! But oh, Just a normal Friday night for you, though, that, isn't it? I mean, you joke, normally naked. Um, yeah. Too far. Um, yeah, I mean, is is you know, we're cleaning up Labour's mess, Labour spent too much money, we're balancing the nation's books, long-term economic plan, rah, rah, rah. But it works because if you repeat, because most people are just lo- not losers like us. They don't... They've got better things to do than Would you stop politics. calling me a loser, all right? Stop trying to drag me down with you. Loser. I'm, I'm literally doing an L sign on my face with my fingers. It's literally like we're on the set of Clueless right now. <laughs> That's what's happening. This is like Mean Girls. I'd like that. Yeah. Like you wouldn't girls. be a plastic, though. You're not cool enough. Excuse me? You'd be like one of the nerds in the cafeteria. <laughs> That's what you'd be. One of the computer nerds. Yeah, fine. At least I've made it in the film. I'd be Regina George. <laughs> no, I would clearly be Gretchen, the one that like wants to be everybody's friend and that but like gossips all the time. That'd yeah. probably be me. What happened yeah. to her in the end? Uh she uh moved to a different clique and gossiped in Japanese. Oh yeah, she did, didn't she? So, Japanese clique. Yeah. Well that's something for the future maybe for you to aspire to. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, but you stick to your message, you say it over and over again, and most people even then won't pay attention to it, but for some people it cuts through. But at the same time, what's insulting about the Tories is they really don't have any substance. And there's already, you know, Robert Peston, the ITV political dude. He interviewed <laughs> David Davis. That's cl- his official title. Yeah. It's clear from that, you know, at the moment, the Brexit talks could be heading for collapse by this summer. And if you talk about, if you want to talk about chaos, yeah. that's where we're heading for at the moment under this under the Tory government, given the way they're approaching it. Yeah, I mean, like... I've said this for a while. I think one of the reasons why Theresa May called the election is because she's at peak May, because uh, wages are about to stagnate again. They're, we're about to go through They're a falling, difficult yeah. time yeah, with wages. And then also, we're right on the brink of Brexit negotiations. And judging by what's happened so far, there's going to be a lot of leaks 
um, about the way that basically Britain is embarrassing itself in Europe. So I think she's decided to call an election now mm. so that she can win uh, quite handsomely. Because if she tries to call it after this, I think that her popularity will plummet a lot. Of course, because... chaotic Brexit. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Whether it comes to the economy, jobs, services, Brexit even. Anything of importance. Just apart from the, just every matter of political life in Britain. Um, they there is, no, there is no clear answers at all from the Conservatives. And I do think it's insulting to have a slogan, even though that's effective, but not married to any substance. Um, and I think what Labour need, it's like you want to avoid the opposite problem where you have lots of substance, but you don't have any clear message to get it across. Yeah, a bit of both. A bit of both would be nice. As long as it wasn't like the substance of the Tories yeah. and the message of Labour. That, well, yeah. that would be... Ellie's like, yeah, I want mass privatisation, lower <laughs> taxes on the rich, uh, and the deregulation of workers' rights. Yeah, but as long as the message is clear. Basically, that's what I want. She doesn't she actually wants peace, bread and land and all power to the Soviets. She says Labour should have run on that one. Weird. Yeah, you joke, but no, seriously, I would quite like that. <laughs> Um, wrote an article this week about Karl Marx. Look it up. Of course you bloody did. That's all you want to talk about. Love it. Love oh, it. I love Karl Marx. I wish I was married to him. I know his daughter was called Eleanor, like she me. Was. My twin sister was named after her, partly. And yeah. Eleanor of Aquitaine, apparently. Weird. I was named after my great-grandmother, who was also a socialist. Was she? Yeah. Was she named after Eleanor Marx? I don't know, but she went to chase the Tory out of her house with a broom. <laughs> with a broom. Like... Great-grandmother, like great-granddaughter. Not as catchy as the original phrase, but you no, get what I'm getting at. you've buggered that up completely. Yeah. You? Anyway, on that embarrassing note... Have you ever chased a Tory out of your flat with a broom? No, but I've always lived on high floors, so it would take impractical. a lot of It's impractical. Impractical. Yeah. My buzz is broken, so I can't... You know that never, never kiss the Tory badge? Yeah. Yeah, I can't wear that and be truthful. No, I know. It's not on purpose. I've, it's I've not got... like a fetish. It's not like I'm intentionally trying to have... Relations with Tories. But let's face just... it, the badge wouldn't stand up in court. That's all we're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, 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 no. Same here. I've got the T-shirt, and I can, I can never wear it for fear of dishonesty. Yeah, it's not just necking toys you've done, though, is it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> can I just say this is an outrage? As Nick Griffin said when he was on Question Time, this is an outrageous lie. <laughs> You're talking about sleeping with Tories and now favourably quoting <laughs> fashion. I'm not favourably. This is going, going badly wrong. Well. My um, career's over after this podcast. Um, and this week, right, just as a little final, little rallying cry. So I'm trying, I'm camping, so I went, yes, I was in Nottingham, Ashfield, Bermondsey today. I've been in Sheffield, I've been in Tooting, Cambridge. I'm going up to Lancaster and Norwich. I would have been to Norwich going again. But people, right, the only way we've got a hope in this, if we want to turn this bloody thing around, is to knock the out of those doors. Not No door or not. Well, if, if you really... He's basically saying that he wants you to go and vandalise a load of strangers' doors. That's what he's saying. It's yeah. incitement. This will get arrested. But genuinely, like, lots of people are enthused and about politics, but they're scared, obviously. I'm not surprised. It's fucking rubbish. But the only way we can turn this around is if all the people enthused go out, knock on doors, get the message across. And you know what? I've been canvassing a lot of times, and what I would say is it's really nice. It is. Um, because the local volunteers of the party are really nice, and you, you get to meet a lot of people that you don't really meet in your everyday life because, you know, like, you're not sort of self-selecting your mm. people that you talk to. You're just randomly meeting people. So, you know, like, last time I went canvassing, I met people who were obviously quite wealthy and then other people who were living in social housing. Mm. And then you talk to them about five minutes, for like five minutes about things that they care about and, and what they think about things. And that's 
and they're all, often I find people can be very open and like and it actually feels like quite a privilege to talk to them. And everyone thinks it's really intimidating, but it is genuinely the least when you actually do it, you're always paired up with people who done it before. It's great and great cute. times. And often you get to pet cute dogs as well, which I You get cute dogs on the trail, the occasional cute cat as well. I know you're biased against cats. I'm not into cats. My beautiful cat Kiers just sitting here listening in on our podcast, exclusive little preview for Kier. But also, you know, there might also be some fitties art campaigning. And sometimes there are, although it is politics. So, you know, <laughs> slim picking. <laughs> I won't say that. And on that bombshell, I'm going to wrap this bad boy up. Yep. Owen's going to see his film about aliens. It's going to be horrible, terrifying and bloodthirsty. And that's just the election campaign. Hey. Hey. And I am going to go home and drink my body weight in wine. And we're going to be back uh, very soon with more stuff. There's an election in the way, which is annoying. But we'll keep, we'll we'll just make it fun. Yeah, guys. Yeah. Hopefully get a guest see if we can be more organised. Yeah, I feel like we're kind of entering into the brand of fun that's like the kind of novelty tie that your uncle wears brand of fun <laughs> like that basically sort of feels at the level that we have to pitch at with this election but anyway we're giving it our best shot so will stop you your whining will you stop be my novelty tie right Ellie you need to get out of my flat now fine fine that's where it is see you soon see you soon bye but I don't worry about a thing cause I know nothing's going to be alright